This is Anchor Points with Robert Quintana. God wants us to be happy. Every week, helping you discover the answers to some of life's biggest questions. There is a purpose for our lives. And applying them to help you grow closer in your walk with God. Messages straight from the pulpit of Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. What's going to drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear or is it going to be love? Feel free to discover more like this at AriseForGod.com. There are events in history we're pretty certain of, like when the Declaration of Independence was signed. Or when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I think the world isn't flat at all. I think it's round like a ball. But when did Christians begin observing the Sabbath on Sunday rather than on Saturday? When the disciples came together to break bread, aha, you see, pastor, here's a reference of the disciples coming together to have communion. That's Robert Quintana, and today he tackles this question by going back to the New Testament in the Bible and looking at each verse in which the first day of the week is mentioned to determine if there was some paradigm shift we've missed. As he shares the third and last part in this series, Beyond Beliefs, A Day of Wonder. So I want to invite you all back to this series on the Sabbath, where I'm trying to help you understand why it is that Seventh-day Adventists observe the Seventh-day Sabbath. Maybe you've run into a Seventh-day Adventist in your lifetime, in your experience. Maybe you've been to one of our Adventist hospitals. Maybe you've gone to one of our Adventist schools and you've always thought, why is it that Seventh-day Adventists go to church on Saturday and not Sunday? They call themselves Christians. They say they're Protestant Christians, but yet they seem to be stuck on this Old Testament law, you know, where they go to church on the Seventh-day Sabbath. Today, I would like to look at every verse in the New Testament that talks about the first day of the week. Now, would you like to guess how many verses are in the New Testament that talk about the first day of the week? Anybody? Twelve? Eight? It's actually 32. And we're going to go over every one of them today. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Some of you started to look at your watches I'm just joking. It's not that many. It actually is only eight verses. Only eight verses in the entire New Testament talk about the first day of the week. And I'd like for you to turn to the first one found in Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath... As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. There's the reference to the first day of the week. And behold, there was a great earthquake, verse 2. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Now what is that all about, that he sat on the stone? Do you think that maybe he got too anxious with the task at hand and he removed the stone too quickly and now he has time to waste? So he sits on the rock. He sits on the stone. Verse 3, his countenance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. 
But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said this, Come, see the place where the Lord laid. And go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. What an amazing story. You know, this really is what sparks this revolution what sparks this reformation, so to speak. It is what sparks Christians to go out and share with the world the good news of Jesus Christ, the resurrection. The resurrection was huge. Can you imagine? These men and women witnessed with their very own eyes Jesus's life, his miracles, his ways. They witnessed with his very own eyes him dying on a cross And they were disappointed. They were sad. Everything had been stripped away. They didn't know what to believe. We're going to read here in just a a few verses how scared and how sad they really were. But they were devastated. And then on the first day of the week, after the Sabbath, the Bible tells us, Jesus rose from the dead, once and for all, conquering death for everyone who is in him. See, this is the bigger picture that I don't want you to miss here. The beautiful story of his resurrection that sparked his followers to go into every part of the known world and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, let's go on to the second one. Found in Mark chapter 16. The second verse that talks about the first day of the week. Mark chapter 16, verse, we'll start with verse 1. Now, what do you think it's talking about here? Again, talks about the resurrection story. Verse 1, now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Now it's important for us to remember how Jews kept time back then and even to this day. For a Jew, a day starts at sunset. You, if you go back to the creation story, Jesus says that the night and day is the first day. That the night and the day is the second day. That the night and the day is the third day. And so forth. And so for a Jew, the day starts when? At sunset. So today, at sunset, starts the next day. And so here, early in the morning, so we're halfway through the first day, as the sun is coming up, the Bible says, they went to the tomb. Verse 3, and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, where you will see him as he said to you. 
So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb. For they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Can you imagine being there? Just picture yourself being there. You know, you go to the tomb, you're sad. You know, maybe, maybe you didn't sleep the night before. Maybe you were restless. Maybe you got up early and you thought, what am I going to do now? Well, I'll just go to the tomb and, and anoint the body of Christ. And so when they get there, the, the stone has been rolled away. The tomb is empty. The Savior has risen from the dead, conquering death for us once and for all. How beautiful is that? Well, now we get to the third place in the New Testament where it talks about the first day of the week. Verse 9 says this. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he prepared, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, what does the Bible say? They did not believe. Wait a second. It's too good to be true. There's no way. I saw him with my very eyes crucified on the cross. I was there. I helped take him down. I was there when I carried his body into the tomb. There, there's no way. And here Mary Magdalene is, she's probably going crazy. No, it's true. It's true. I, I saw him. I, I, they, they told me I, it's true. Well, there you go. Third reference, beautiful story of the resurrection. Let's move on now to the fourth reference, Luke chapter 24. What do you think this is talking about? Luke chapter 24. Again, we're back to the resurrection story. It says, Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of Jesus Christ. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, now here is my favorite phrase of the whole resurrection story. They said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Oh, I love that question. As he looks, as these two angels look at the ladies that are there. Why do you seek? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? What a beautiful, beautiful question. And so, you know already from some of the other accounts that we've already read what, what's happened. But here again, a reference to the first day of the week talking about the resurrection story. All right, let's go on to the next one found in John, John chapter 20. Again, what do you think this, these verses are talking about? You might have a clue by now. It's towards the end of a gospel. John chapter 20, starting with verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. Oh, so now John adds a little bit more, right? Now we know that she went before it was dark, before the sun even came up, right? So here we know that the first day of the week for them started on Saturday at sunset, Saturday night. 
They probably had a restless night, couldn't sleep, still worried. What do we do now? Where do we go from here? Our leader, our rabbi is gone. You know, everything that I was putting my hopes in is, is gone. What, what next? So they probably had a restless night. And so before the sun even came up, it says, she departed. It says, while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb... Then verse 2, then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Now, interestingly, John never refers to him in his book by by his own name. He always, he always refers to himself as the other disciple or as the disciple that Jesus loved. So here, Peter and John are having a race to the tomb. Who do you think got there first? John, the younger one, right? He was the one with, with the young legs and a lot more energy. Peter, older, is probably huffing and puffing behind him, trying to catch up to him. Right? And this is what it says. It says, So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. I wonder if this bothered Peter. I don't know. Verse 5, And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. John didn't go into the tomb. He just got to the tomb, and he looked in. Right? Peter, we know, is a little bit more abrasive. Peter doesn't get to the tomb and just wait. Oh, no. It says here in verse 6, Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his neck, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Now, let's jump down to verse 19. We're going to read the sixth occurrence of the first day mentioned in the New Testament. Verse 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for what reason? For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now it's very important that we understand that though the disciples were gathered, yes, on the first day of the week, they did not assemble to worship. They did not assemble to praise. In fact, the Bible tells us why they were together on the first day of the week. They were afraid. They were scared. They thought to themselves, if this is what they did to our leader, if this is what they did to this great man who walked on water, who raised people from the dead, if this is what they did to him, imagine what they can do to us. And so I imagine that they were in this room, bolted up tight, and the Bible tells us for what reason, out of fear for the Jews. They really did not at this time even understand that Jesus had been risen from the dead yet. They still were unbelieving of the fact that Jesus had rose from the dead. Now, friends, we have gone through six of the eight. We have two more to go. But I want to help you understand the Adventist perspective. 
I want to try and get you into the mind of a Seventh-day Adventist. And when you ask yourself the question, why is it that Seventh-day Adventists observe the Seventh-day Sabbath, you need to understand that for a Seventh-day Adventist, there is just not enough biblical evidence in the Old Testament or in the New Testament to justify any change in a day that God himself sanctified. A day that God himself made holy. That for a Seventh-day Adventist, it's really hard to get around or to get over the idea that it's okay to take out the fourth commandment, which talks about the Seventh-day Sabbath and keeping it holy. And six days you shall work and do all your labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the day of the Lord your God. It's really hard for us to take that one out and then say, but all the other nine are still valid. And so you need to understand that these are really big hurdles for Seventh-day Adventists to get over. And then we get to the New Testament and every verse that we look at that refers to the first day of the week says nothing about a change in God's original plan for the Sabbath day. So let's look at the last two verses that speak about the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now these two verses that we're about to read are oftentimes debated um, and somewhat, I think, many times taken out of context. And I'm just going to help you understand the Seventh-day Adventist perspective on these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, starting with verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. So here Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Now, whenever studying scripture, friends, it's important for you to not only ask yourself, what is it saying? It's also important for you to ask, what is it not saying? So here we go. Verse 2. On the first day of the week, there's the reference. Let each one of you lay aside lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. And so what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about tithe. He's talking about offerings. He's talking about the collection of financial resources for the work. What Paul is saying here is, listen, when you take a look at your finances, the very first thing you ought to do is take and put aside what belongs to God. That is the very first thing you should do at the beginning of the week, on the first day of the week. Don't wait until the end of the week. What happens if you do that? Huh? You spend it, right? See, we do that with finances, right? God, I want you to sign on the dotted line that that you are assuring me that you will take care of everything before I give you a faithful tithe and offering. Paul says, look, He is a God who is worthy of our trust. He is a God who is worthy of our faithfulness to him. So at the beginning of the week, you put aside what belongs to God first. Old Testament says your first fruits belong to him, right? So put to him what belongs to him and then see God work in mighty ways in your life. You might now start to understand why it's so hard for Seventh-day Adventists to let go of this teaching of the seventh-day Sabbath. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 says this, Now, 
on the first day of the week, there's the reference, when the disciples came together to break bread. Aha! You see? Pastor, here's a reference of the disciples coming together to have communion. This is what I've heard so many tell me. Right? Problem is, is that breaking bread in Scripture oftentimes refers to having a meal together. Having a meal together. Now, we're going to have to put our thinking caps on because we're going to need to deduct a few things from this verse. It says, now on the first day of the week, for a Jew, when would that be? On the first day of the week. When does the first day of the week start for a Jew? On Saturday night. Saturday sunset. Okay? So now, on Saturday night, when the disciples came together to have a meal, Paul, ready to depart the next day, which would be then at, the, at daybreak, at the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until what? Until midnight. So this meeting that's taking place on the first day of the week is actually on uh, the Roman calendar Saturday. It's happening on Saturday night. On the first part of the first day of the week, which is evening. So now picture this. Here you have the disciples. You have Paul, who's probably been preaching to them all day. Right? They, they, they've observed the Sabbath day. They're so taken by the message of Paul that they probably said, you know what, time out. We need to eat. And so they, they put some time apart. They come together to eat supper or to eat dinner, right? And they were so captivated by what Paul was saying that they say, okay, continue your message. You know, what you were talking about, you know, earlier today, you know, and so they continued till midnight. Why did they do that? Because they knew Paul was leaving the next day. Now, folks, there are other arguments that I've heard. There are other arguments that have been given on this. But you need to understand that from a Seventh-day Adventist perspective, there's just not enough evidence in the New Testament that would say that God changed the day of observance, that he changed the day that he originally sanctified in Genesis. You might ask yourself now, well, then how in the world did we get here? How in the world did we get to the observance of Sunday as a day that God sanctified? How did we get there? You know, it's no secret when you study the Reformation that there were things that the church did at the time that were not scriptural. That's what led to the Reformation. There were some that said, you know what? The Bible says nothing about sprinkling by baptism. The Bible talks about baptism by immersion. So you know what? We're going to start baptizing people by immersion, right? And so you have the Baptist, you know? You have Luther who says, you know what? The church has been teaching for years that you have to do A, B, C, X, Y, Z in order to, to be saved. Wait a second, folks. The Bible says that you're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, not of our works. And so he starts preaching salvation by grace, salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. And you have a whole new denomination or religion that comes from that Lutherans. And so we, we owe so much to the folks during the Reformation that had the courage to stand up and say, wait a second, we've been doing it this way, but the Bible tells us differently. I don't know if you know this or not, but we view ourselves as an extension of the Reformation in that 
in studying scripture, we stumbled upon this truth about the Sabbath. And now that we, we see what the Bible says about the Sabbath, we say, wait a second. Why are we worshiping on Sunday or why are we keeping Sunday? And so back in the mid-1800s, a group of people decided, you know what? We need to start observing the Seventh-day Sabbath as the day that God has set apart. Seventh-day Adventists aren't the only ones that agree with this. You know, there are Seventh-day Baptists. There are Seventh-day Presbyterians out there. There are a lot of Sabbatarians. In other words, there are a lot of groups of individuals who see it like we do and say, you know what? The day that God sanctified, the day that he set aside and made holy is the seventh day Sabbath. I hope this helps you to understand the Seventh-day Adventist perspective on this. Now, wherever you fall on this, and I know that there are some of you that may disagree with me, and that's fine. We can have further discussion on this. In fact, I welcome your response. I would love for you to go to our website and I'd like for you to ask questions or give us your comments. Just go to our website, ariseforgod.org. We would love to hear from you on this matter. But whether or not you're convicted of the Sabbath or not, let me encourage you to take the time to spend with God. And as you spend that quality time with him, you will find yourself experiencing him more and more and becoming more and more like him, ultimately reaching the goal so that we once again can be his image bearers and let God lead your life. You've been listening to Anchor Points with Robert Quintana, a ministry of Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you would like to hear or share this message and find others like it, you can subscribe to our podcasts at ariseforgod.com or by searching Anchor Points on iTunes. You can also follow Anchor Points on Facebook. Now, here's what you'll hear next week. Folks, when God came to this world, we were already sinners. We were already condemned to die. God did not come to condemn us anymore. That's what Robert Quintana will help you understand better next week with his message, Letting Go, How Forgiveness Brings Freedom. We appreciate you listening. This program is produced by Word of Mouth Productions in cooperation with Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church. And remember, God loves you and wants you to live out his purpose.